All right, good morning, church. Cool. It's good to see both of you as well. Uh, kids, you can leave now. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and flip over to Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, we are going to continue in our Advent series. Before we begin, I want to apologize for the distraction on my face. Uh, we, Megan and I were at a concert in Nashville over the weekend, and it was mandatory to have a mustache, and so <clears throat> I kept it. So I apologize if you're not able to hear from the Lord today, but he is known to use donkeys to get his message across. So here I stand before you as just a humble mule doing the work of the Lord. All right. It's a good start. Okay. Uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Let's pick up in verse 1. I'm going to read down through verse 7. Then we're going to flip over to Isaiah 61. And, uh, and then I'm just going to spend the rest of the time uh, telling a story from Mark chapter 5. So if you want to kind of get ahead and make some markers, that's where we'll be this morning. It is the second week of Advent. And so if you're, if you're new to church, um, Advent is a season of waiting. It's a communal pause. It's a communal anxiousness, if you will, of the coming of the Son of God. Okay, we all know Christmas, right? We celebrate Christmas, we do the decorations, we do the tree and the gifts. But it, all of it, the climax, is the birth of the Son of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. And so Advent is the season that the church leverages uh, to get our hearts and our minds, even our hands and our feet, just to slow down and to wait. Because the posture of the Christian is one of patient eager expectation, okay, as we await for Christ's second coming. And so we use this season, really, uh, to posture ourselves in this waiting. So let's read from Isaiah chapter 9, pick up in verse 1. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil. Verse 4. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Verse 6. For to us... A child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time to gather corporately as the body of Christ, as a local body, the branch church. God, I'm so thankful and humbled to be a part of this family of believers. I pray now that you would go before us, go before me as we dive in to your word, as we look upwards to you, and as we wait together as brothers and sisters for the second coming of our Savior, as our salvation is complete in his return and your kingdom is made full and whole on this earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I thank you for these brothers and sisters. And I pray now uh, that you would use these moments to draw our attention and our affections towards you. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's flip over to Isaiah 61. And I want to use this as a springboard to get into the gospel of Mark. Uh, This morning, um, I'm going to tell one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. It's the story of Jairus and the hemorrhaging woman. Do you know the story? Okay, a few of you. So I wasn't planning to read it. I was just going to tell the story, but we may read it anyways. And we may do both, okay? So I'll save some time, don't worry. Um, But let's start in Isaiah 61. Because what I wanted, where we are in Advent is we're in the second week, which is the theme of peace, okay? And the series that we're doing here is we're using Isaiah 9-6, the wonderful counselor, which was last week, mighty God, which is this week. And so we're going to take peace and mighty God and see how those two things are one thing, okay? So that's where we're headed. That's what we're going to do. That's the task of the donkey before you, okay? So Isaiah 61 Just listen to these words from the prophet, okay? It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news. Go ahead and circle that or underline it. If you don't want to do that in your Bible, just keep your finger there. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. It sounds a lot like Jesus, does it not? It sounds a lot like the Beatitudes, and I think Jesus is drawing a lot on Isaiah 61 as he launches into the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. If you're not familiar, maybe this afternoon, take time. I think the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, really will... uh, Focus your attention on the coming, this waiting, this season that we're in. So this idea of mighty God, the second word that Isaiah gives us in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, is this word El Gabor. Let's say it together. You want to? It makes you feel really smart if you use ancient languages. So let's do it. You might have heard like El Shaddai or Adonai, right? Have you heard El Gabor? So no. I'm going to take that as a hard no. Okay, cool. So let's do it together. Okay, it's okay. It's a safe space. It's just a gym. All right, let's do it. One, two, three. El Gabor. Okay, this is the Hebrew word for mighty God. Okay, it's a really, really short word. It has a whole lot of meaning. 
okay? In our family groups, which if you're new to the branch, let me just, we're glad you're here, okay? Um, but family groups is the primary outworking of our family together, okay? So we, we meet in groups throughout the week, and our primary task there is to dive into God's Word. And we do it a little bit differently, whereas our groups meet and discuss the text that we're going to preach the following week. So it's not a sermon recap, it's a sermon prep, if you will, okay? And we kind of go through the same series of questions, all right? And if you've been around, you know these probably by heart now. It's like, what does it say about God? What does it say about the church? And what does it say about those who are not in the church, right? What does it say about God, his nature, his character? What does it say about me and you as believers in Jesus? And what does it say about those who aren't here yet? That's the rhythm of a family group. This is El Gabor. This is who God is. This is his nature. This is his character. He is mighty. Amen? He is powerful. He is omnipotent. Have you heard that word before? Omnipotent means all-powerful, okay? That's where we are. And it is in that power we find peace, okay? So I don't want to spend all morning talking about might and power without correlating it to peace because those two things cannot be separated, okay? All right, so El Gabor, mighty God. So the Messiah, who was the coming son, right? This is the one that Isaiah is talking about. For unto us a what? child is born, okay? But it's not just the child, it's the God child, right? It's fully a baby who wets himself. I have a, we have a baby in our house. She's 18 months old. You see her, her feet go like this all the time, okay? That's ours. She has a mullet too or a rat's tail. I don't know which one it is yet. We haven't decided. But we have a baby and she's kind of a mess, right? She eats and it's everywhere. Um, we have to constantly change her diaper. This is her Jesus, right? Jesus came into the world like that, okay? He had to learn to walk, and he had to learn to talk, and yet he could save the entire world with just the breath out of his mouth, right? Philippians 2 tells us that he came not to be less God, but he laid down his godness in order to be fully man, right? So he wasn't any less God, but he was fully man. So he was born of a virgin in Nazareth. Right? This is God, God child, the son of God being born into the world. The Messiah would be God. So he is being fully God, has God's nature, has God's characteristics, has Godness, right? This is the verse that maybe you all know, right? If you've ever been to NASCAR, you've seen this one. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only what? His only what? Be, begotten. Do you know what begotten means? Sameness. Okay? His only begotten son means that he was born Godness. Okay? So he's not less God, he was begotten, right? So uh, I had a professor in seminary who he did this little rampage thing when he would get to the begotten part. And he was a massive man. You've probably heard me talk about him before. And he would always go into the corner of the room, and he had big old hands. And he would flare his fingers out like this, and they all weird double joints and stuff. And he would say, zebras beget zebras, and horses beget horses, and spiders beget spiders. God begets God. Okay? This is the Messiah. So the power of God is fully in this baby being born. This is good stuff, guys. Let's go like this. Okay, this is cool, right? The baby 
Jesus, born in, you know, like a little manger, like a thing of hay, right? You know the story. Do we know the story? Do we have to go back and redo this? Okay, we know that part of the story. It's a good starting place. Okay, this is God, fully God. He spoke everything into existence, everything. There's not a thing that you're looking at right now, including like the wrinkles in your hands, that he didn't intentionally speak into existence. So the son of God, this baby, would have God's power. And I love this. Listen to this. It says, the amazing thing to Isaiah was that the Messiah would not only have the power of God, but he would be the God of power. That's what we're talking about right now. It's not just that he has the power of God, but that he is the God of power. He is mighty God. He is who? El Gabor. El Gabor. Uh, one of my favorite things to do each Advent is to read this little book. Okay? I brought it this morning because I want you to see it. You can get it. I think it's like $9 on Amazon. Okay? Maybe we can put it in a book nook. Dylan's not here today. We'll talk to him about it. Okay? I don't know if we make it free. Maybe we can make it free. I don't know. I'm, I'm putting the cart way before the horse. I'm getting something approved without the formal paperwork. Okay? So this is Athanasius. Okay? He's a fourth century bishop. And uh, he wrote this book called On the Incarnation. Okay? Uh, the book is worth the price of admission just for the forward, written by C.S. Lewis. Okay? In, his, in this book, there's, there's a lot of beauty here. Right? Any book that survives the fourth century is worth your $9, okay, and the hour that it will take you to read it. But you can break it up and read a little bit of it each week as kind of a prep of your heart into Advent. This is what my family does. This is what I've been doing for years, and it's really fruitful. Listen to what he says in, kind of in the introduction. We should approach the mystery of Jesus not just as merely a theologian, but we should approach the mystery of Jesus as a soul in need of a Savior, Right, we can see these words on the incarnation and get lost in the theology of the incarnate God. And we can miss the reason for the season. Sorry for the hallmark, okay? But if we get wrapped up in this big ivory tower idea of the Son of God, incarnate, begotten, we miss the beauty of a baby being born who grew into a man, all powerful and mighty, who was crucified, dead and buried. This was in the liturgy that Andrew wrote, read. I don't think he wrote it. If he wrote it, that'd be pretty cool, but he didn't write it. He read it from someone else who wrote it. Begotten of God to save the world. And so we, we gather today this anticipation, the eagerness that brings you here week after week. or Maybe this is your first time. The eagerness that woke you up this morning and said, you know what, I'm going to go to church, is that we're waiting for him to come back. That's what we're doing here, okay? Worship is to draw our affections towards God, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. With the prayer, the collective prayer, Lord, would you come and would you come quickly? That is our prayer, okay? So what I want to do is I want to transition. I'm going to go over to Mark chapter 5. I'm not going to read it yet. I just want to tell the story, if that's okay. This is um, in seminary, in Dallas Seminary is where I went, um, we had the preaching classes were rough, right? We didn't get to preach like this. It was very formal and rigid, and you had 12 minutes. And this was one of my sections that I had to, we preached through Mark. That's the assignment for the semester. And uh, all 12 students in the class take turns. And so my first sermon in Mark was Mark chapter 5. This is Jairus and his daughter. 
and the hemorrhaging woman. Two stories, one story, okay? And I remember standing in front of the class and being like, I'm, I'm, you want me to preach a certain way, and for me to do that, we miss the point. We miss the point. And so I didn't do it. I still passed, and I got an A. But I didn't do it, because what you need to hear is the story. You need a picture painted. And sometimes we can get up and we can do the three points like they want you to do, and your three points miss the whole point entirely. So what I want to do today is I just want to hit the point, and then I want to hit it again. And then I want to hit it again and again and again and again and again. Is that okay? You're not going to grade me, and if you do, I don't care. Okay? So I want to tell you the story, because I think this is, this is really beautiful. And let's just keep in mind that Jesus, the mighty God from birth, right, from even before he was born, from the very beginning, where there was no time, there was no earth, there was no planet, he was, and he is, and he is to come. This is Jesus, the mighty God. The Bible clearly tells us a few things. In John 1, it says that all things were made, what, do you know this, John 1, 3? Through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. It's beautiful. The introduction to the Gospel of John is some of the richest texts in all of Scripture. Colossians 1.16 says the same thing. It says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Okay? So let's do this before we jump into Mark 5. If you're in here as a baptized believer, you were saved. You've heard me say this before. You were saved from something. And we do a lot of that. We do that storytelling. God saved me from an addiction. God saved me from narcissism. He saved me from anxiety or depression. But that's not the real story of the Christian, is it? It is God saved me from death. But he saved me to himself. This is what Colossians is saying. That we were made through him. But the most important thing was not that we were made, but that we were made for him. Do you get it? It's okay to do this. You know, I'm not going to ask you to respond. Like You don't have to use your mouth. You can give me one of those. Okay? We were made for him. For a purpose. All right? Okay, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to do my best not to read it because I think it's best for me just to paint a little story. That's all right. Okay, so follow along. If you know the story, um, maybe just close your Bible and just listen. So uh, Jairus was a a man of influence, okay, uh, in his town. And he had a daughter, all right? So uh, imagine, okay, I I have got a daughter. There are some of you in the room that have daughters. Daughters are different than sons, okay, from a father's point of view. They just are different, okay? You're raising your son uh, to rule the world. And you're raising your daughter to just, I don't know what, right? To be sweet and to be caring and you protect her, right? My son, who's in the room, will have to fight for himself. But if you mess with one of my daughters, I will fight for them, okay? Right, that's kind of the, the culture of a daughter, right? Do you, would you agree? You raise the son to fight for themselves. You raise the daughter, I'll kill you if you mess with her. Okay? In in Jesus' name. Okay? All right? So this is Jairus. Okay? His his daughter's 12. We know this this is what the text says. She's 12 years old. 
She's really sick, okay? I'm gonna do this without being emotional, okay? I lie, it's okay. I have a mustache, all right? I'm a man, all right? She's 12. She's very, very ill, okay? To the point where they don't know what to do for her. And so Jairus hears of this Jesus, this mighty God, this all-powerful being who's in the town, and he's healing people. The blind people can see now. The lame are walking. The sick are healed. There's a story of a dead guy who's not dead anymore. And all I can see is my kid, my daughter, sick to the point of death. I don't know what to do for her, but I know that there's this guy. I don't know him, and he doesn't know me. Little does he know that Jesus did know who he was. He was part of creating Jairus and the little girl. But the dad, in desperation, goes into town to find this Jesus, this miracle worker. And I, I can just, this is not in the Bible, okay? So I'm not, this is not heresy. This is me just trying to, I'm, I want to know the context, right? There's dust, okay? It's a city. There's people everywhere. There's a celebrity in town, and the people have gathered. And somehow Jairus works his way through the crowd, okay? He pushes people out of the way. Can you see it? He's, I mean, he's elbowing people, right? He's doing this thing. He's probably done one of these to somebody to get out of the way. And he sees Jesus, and he's just like right there. But he can't get to him because the disciples have guarded him. The disciples are protecting Jesus, keeping people away. And somehow Jairus locks in. And he goes up to him, he says, sir, my girl's sick. And I don't know you, and I know you don't know me, but I heard you do things to people who are sick. Could you help her? Could you just come with me? Like, here's what I'm doing. I'm saying, listen, you're coming with me, and I'm grabbing you by the collar of your cloak, and we're running. I will drag you if I have to, right? The Bible doesn't say that. It could be there. And Jesus says, let's go. Yeah. Where is she? And so now they start moving, right? And as they move, the, the crowd moves, right? And then all of a sudden, they stop. Jesus has been interrupted. And what does he say? If you know the story, what does he say? Who touched me? Because What? He felt something leave him. What was it? Do you know the word? Say it if you know it. Power. I felt power leave me. And he stopped. Now, Jesus, being fully God and fully man, he knows what he's doing, okay? Jairus, the dad, is frustrated. We don't have time for this, Jesus. Who cares? I touched you. He touched you. She touched you. We're all touching you. This is a mob. But Jesus zeroes in. And a woman who had been bleeding for as long as Jairus' daughter has been alive. This is one of the sweet things in this text, right? If you know anything about the hemorrhaging woman, she bled for how long? 12 years. Okay? So what happens in this time if you bleed for 12 years? You're an outcast. You're thrown to the margins you're there on the fringe of society. You're not part of the community. You're not part of the family. 
you're an outsider. This woman, she heard about a guy who healed people, who made blind people see, lame people walk, and dead people live. And she said, I just got to touch him. If I could touch him, I could be healed. And if I can be healed, I can be brought back to my family. If I can be brought back to my family, I can have my life back. And the woman says, Lord, it was I who touched you. And she tells her story. What does Jesus say? This is, this is, this is beautiful, guys. This is, he said, woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And she did. And she was well. She's not here with us, but she was healed. She was free. 12 years. You know who has no hope? Someone who's been bleeding for 12 years. Tried everything. Nothing works. I just need to touch his cloak. And if I could touch his cloak, I could be healed. And she was. Because power went through Jesus into this woman, and she was healed. Okay, before I apply it to us, let's stay in the story. So now what happens? They get news. Jairus gets news. Uh, it's too late. She's gone. She didn't make it. Jesus didn't get there in time. She's dead. Your daughter is dead. The text actually says, don't bother the teacher anymore. Leave him alone. Hope was gone. Disappeared. Off the face of the earth. The father had lost his daughter. And what does Jesus say? Where is she? Let's go. Take me to her. And they run up on the house. And for me, this is the moment where Jairus loses it. Because now death is real, right? Everybody's outside. There's weeping. There's mourning. There's, they're ripping their clothes, right, doing the thing. And he knows for sure that she's dead because his wife is there. And they make eye contact. And he knows it's too late. We, I, did, I failed you, and I'm sorry. And Jesus says, no, come with me. And he takes Peter, James, and John, okay, his beloved, the inner circle, and goes inside the house up to her room, takes the father, takes the mother, and says, she's not dead. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And then he says, Talitha, kumi, which means little girl, get up. Get up. You want to say it? We can say it in Hebrew. You want to? Get up. Get up. And she did. She got up. She was awake. Her heart was beating again. Her lungs were filling with air. Her fingers were moving. Her little toes were wiggling. She sat up in her bed and she was, oh, she was alive. Power had gone from the Son of God into a little girl. And for the first time in her life, even though she'd been alive, she was alive alive. Do you know what I'm saying? It's okay to do this. Okay? She was alive alive. Do you know what I mean? She was alive 
in the gospel. The good news had reached their house. Now here, this is not in the Bible either. I'm Jairus again, and I'm, woo! She's alive. I'm dancing, I'm partying, I'm growing a mustache, right? I'm doing all the things that you would do when you're celebrating new life. Not just new life, like new, new life. This is an almighty God. This is what Isaiah is getting at the whole time. He's a wonderful counselor. Yes, he is. Amen. He is a mighty God because he takes dead things and he makes them alive things. That's the gospel. It's not bad people becoming better people or bad people becoming good people or I was addicted to this and now I'm not. It was I was dead in my sin, lifeless, heart stopped beating, brain dead. And Jesus made me alive. That's mighty God stuff. That's the peace of God. And for the first time in this hemorrhaging woman's life, she experienced peace. And for the first time in the little girl's life, she'd experienced true peace. For the first time in Jairus' life, he experienced true peace. Because Almighty God was here. This is the incarnation of Jesus. This is why he came. This was the whole purpose from the very beginning, from the garden outward. Dead people, in the name of Jesus, don't stay dead. L, what? Gabor. My nose is really running, so I'm going to lock this thing up, okay? I came unprepared. There's no tissues in here, and I was talking about daughters. Rookie mistake, okay? I want you to listen to these last things, okay? Jesus showed his right to be recognized as the mighty God by demonstrating power over nature, power over disease, power over demons, power over sin, and power over death itself. And he came as a baby, just a little guy, just like you and I came into the world. And he changed the world forever. This is Christmas. This is Advent. This is the one that we wait for. And guess what? The first Sunday in January, we do it again. We're in a season of waiting. We wait and we pray. We wait and we pray. We wait and we pray. Lord, would you come? Would you come quick? Lord, we're waiting and we pray. Lord, would you come quickly? A lot of us carry stories like the ones I just told. Maybe you're not actually bleeding, but you're dead inside. Maybe you're not dead, dead, but there's something that you carried into this room that's killing you. And this is the day that you need to set it free. Find someone, anyone. Doesn't have to be an elder, doesn't have to be a deacon. Probably doesn't need to be the guy who's wiping his nose. I'll go wash my hands before, I promise. Let loose of it. Jesus came so you didn't have to. He said, I'll carry it. Give it to me. I'll take it. Give me your burden. Let's go back to the Beatitudes. Give me your burdens because in me you will find rest. Not just any rest, rest, rest. Do you know why we celebrate Christmas? 
This is why we celebrate Christmas. Son of God coming into the world to save sinners like me. Sinners like you. I want to leave you with these last words, and then we're going to move into a time of communion. Communion is the way our church remembers, okay? It's the way the church, Big C Church, remembers the broken body, the bloodied body of Christ our Savior. So there's bread, and there's a cup back there. And if you're, if you're baptized, if you've been following Jesus, would you come, would you participate with us? If you're not, would you come participate a different way? Would you come talk to somebody? Anybody? <laughs> Raise your hand if you talk to somebody this morning. Just do it. Would you talk to somebody who's here? Okay, I would. I'll talk to you right after I clean my hands. Okay? Come and respond this morning because we're waiting together and we're glad that you're here, but you're not alone. Not anymore, you're not. Welcome to the branch. Okay? Where the pastors weep and snot all over everything. Okay? <laughs> Gabe doesn't do that. All right? So the last words. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, we love you.